Welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip in the car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm James, and with me is Mal. G'day, James. <laughs> and Richard. <laughs> Hello, James. <laughs> this week, we're looking at a legendary Toyota, the next generation of which is lighting up our site. We'll talk about new arrivals in the Cars Guide garage this week, and we'll cut, catch up with a man, some say a god whose profile has grown exponentially over recent years in this week's Muskwatch. So stay with us. But happily, we've had some feedback. And the majority of it was about the Kia Ute, the rendering of which we discussed and the, the potential for that car. Now, Joel Bowden made the general point. He said, why is every podcast in living memory uh, been around a Ute? You know, are they really that exciting? Pretty sure there are no more utes or pickups left to talk about, <laughs> which I thought was a good point. Um, other than that, keep up the good work, guys. Loving the podcast. Look forward to them every week, which is brilliant. Now, our old mate DeCook came in and said, just look at the numbers and views and comments under the ute posts. And they track, attract not only an Aussie audience, so it seems that utes are a hot topic. And that's exactly what it's about, you know. Um, Mal, you might want to comment on this, but we, we try and focus on whatever's been um pushing people's buttons on the cars guide site during the week to flesh it out a bit more here yeah and it seems to work you know what uh, what's popular on the site tends to be popular in the podcast so yeah yeah so that's certainly utes are of... a big thing <laughs> <laughs> i mean utes can utes are obviously that to cook's right they are a bit of a hot topic right now um look has been dekulke has been right about a lot of things um, I'm sure yeah. he loves the way you pronounce his name, Richard. I, I, reckon I, I he... believe I'm pronouncing it the right way, even though he's corrected me. <laughs> even though it's his name. <laughs> yeah. um, putting the Australian accent on it, Richard. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be De Kulko. It'd be De Kulko as Australian. Um, right. David Best yes. says, the Kia Ute looks cute, with a K. Um, us white colour types just want a Ute that ticks the majority of boxes. All of the current crop are compromised in one way or another, whether it be safety, performance, or comfort. So bring on 21-22. He's looking forward to the uh, key Ute's arrival. Prince Dog says, hey. now Prince Dog used to be official, so he's no longer official. This could be a ring-in Prince Dog. But formerly yes. known as Prince Official? Prince Dog Official, yes, but he's now just Prince Dog. Um, I'd consider buying a petrol Ute from Kia if it had the engine from the Stinger. Now, others have mentioned uh, this, many others mentioned this. Mm -hmm. On long trips, it would still be efficient, but have performance that diesels can't match whenever you feel the need. So it yes. would be a pretty exciting car, wouldn't it, with a twin-turbo mm -hmm. V6 under mm -hmm. the bonnet. Um, mm -hmm. Eamon Madri says, now, thank you very much for the effort you're doing. I'm following you from Tunisia. Even the wow. market specs in our country is not the same as yours, but we can find some similarities with some Asian brands. So I'm very interested to know more about the new Kia pickup. And look, stand by, Eamon, because mm. we, we may have just a little tidbit that you'll find interesting. And Panchon says, I'd love to see Kia Ute coming to the Greek market too. So we've got we've just added Tunisia and Greece to our lineup of the USA, wow. Germany, New Zealand, Russia. And I want to put a shout out to anybody watching or listening to feedback and let us know where you are watching or listening from. It would just be fantastic. It's almost like this is going all around the world or something. Well, that it's called this. It's this thing called the internet, yeah. Richard. Um, oh, worldwide. It's a bit like 
Yeah, yeah. it's a bit like a giant yes. library, all this information in there and you can access anything you want. It's amazing. It's all connected by cables, isn't it? Yeah, it is. String. String. Now, Rio says, found, this is the tidbit, found a leak source saying Kia will have the, quote, Ford Ranger arrival around 2021-22. The first rumour in 2017 was that Kia will be using the frame of the Kia Mojave, which is a large body-on-frame SUV selling in Korea and Russia. So um, that's interesting. I, for one, you guys may be different. I hadn't heard that. So that's interesting. I had heard something about that. Um, you know, if, if it's going to be a proper 4x4 ute, it does need to have a body on frame, um, you know, yeah. chassis. Um, but um, I don't know where that ended. I, I'm not sure if they're developing their own chassis uh, separate to that. But Mal, do you know anything about that? I'll just say in general, they'll be trying to make it share as much as possible with other models. Mm, um, yeah. But the timing, whether it works for the current Mojave, not sure. Uh, mm, it yeah. could be, if it does, it could be paired with the next Mojave. Yeah. Well, that's it. And all it caused me to do was go off and have a look at the Mojave, and the latest version <laughs> of it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, the, for, so it's a domestic model and into Russia. Um, it looks slick as. So if they could get the front of that thing onto the ute, as well as the underpinnings, I think they'd be doing well. Mm -hmm. um, and for those on YouTube, we'll have a, a picture of the Mojave up for you to have a look at. Now, our New Zealand correspondent, Wax333, says that the D-Max, he says it's probably the most exciting ute to be released in 2020 so far. So, you know, he's pretty fired up about it. So the ute thing, look, we, we take your point, Joel Bowden, but you can see that there's a fair bit of interest from all over the world in utes and we're kind of reflecting and, and building on that in, in what we do in the podcast. Now, then we move to the i30 sedan. Now, NZ Sarge 1, now I presume this may be another Kiwi, says that i30 sedan is incredibly horrid looking <laughs> and just has a, a kind of green-faced, almost throwing up emoji uh, following it. But Edward Wright says that 2020, he said Solandra, I think he meant Elantra, looks amazing so we've we're always saying how how you know different people have a different take in the way a car looks there it is yeah it's definitely probably i mean the literal definition of amazing in that whoa it's amazing yeah, yeah. it's it's Pleasant? very difficult hmm. look it, it is very difficult to make a small sedan look good i think audi managed to do an excellent job of it with the a3 um i think uh, a couple of other manufacturers have done a pretty good job as well. I think uh, you know, Mazda have done a good job of making small sedans too. Um, but, yeah, it seems to be one of those design feats that's almost impossible and a lot of manufacturers yeah. spend most of their R&D or, or their D on, on hatchbacks because um, yes. I know they're going to sell best. But then again, in the US, the sedans are really popular. That's yeah. very old. America loves a good sedan. Yeah, and. I think they're. Uh, I think Toyota's kind of on the money with how they've separated the the Corolla hatch and the Corolla sedan. They're styling yeah. so a pillar yeah, yeah. forward, they're the same, but from a pillar back, the sedan yeah. is far more sedate. And you know, in Australia at least, the sedan tends to be bought by more conservative buyers. You know, that's true. Older and buyers. Look, for what it's worth, I'm very much in the. I think it looks incredibly horrid looking. I'm not. I'm not loving the uh, the look of the car. But Terry Toucan N has chimed in with the Hyundai at the front looks like it's crossed with a Mondeo Tesla wreck and the arse end is a bit like a Jag. 
the sides will blend in when all the oldies <laughs> hit and scrape each other in the car park. So, oh, so he's saying it's, it, it's irrelevant what it looks like because it'll just be dented <laughs> due to the car park uh, collisions. And in, look, in fairness, James, we haven't seen this car in the flesh yet. No, that's true. So well, we'll, let's say let's just say knows? a picture judgment. I'm not loving it, but anyway, we'll see. Maybe it'll look better now, with black and yellow New South Wales number plates on the front. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Speaking of stars, completely but... subjective subjective judgments, Neza has <laughs> chimed in is chimed in on the Stinger, and says, "Yeah, I'm going to say it. I don't like the way the Kia Stinger looks. <gasps> Face is too elongated, and the back is too bubbly." I don't even want to start on the taillights. So he's critiqued it very hard. DeCook chimed in again. He agrees. He's not a fan. So it is one of those as well, isn't it? It's, it's going to polarise people because um, it's, it's different. It's quite dramatically different. And it needs to be bold to do its job. You know, it's, Absolutely it's right. To yeah. open people's eyes to the Kia brand that wouldn't otherwise notice. And yeah. you know, if it were bland and boring, it wouldn't be successful. Absolutely. True. The number of people I know who don't like cars and do like the Kia Stinger because they've noticed it has been pretty impressive. Really? You know, just, Interesting. Yeah, just riding with other people, you know, sitting in the passenger seat and they're like, what's that? Is that yeah, Maui? Yeah. You know, yeah, what is that? Yeah, really. Um, so I think, okay. I think the design, I think, I think you know, Mal, you're right. You, you have to be polarising if you want to be noticed. And I think yeah. the Stinger is definitely that. So I think they've done an intentionally good job of that. Well, look, Neza, here it comes. I like the tail lines. So Me too. <laughs> have a go. I quite like it. Um, now, under the heading, general heading of miscellaneous, uh, Mushin Yukwob says, are you guys planning to compare 2020 Defender with Toyota's Prado and or Land Cruiser? And once the Defender arrives here, I reckon that would be a great matchup. And I, I can't wait to see the Defender land here. Now, that would be a great comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I'd be worried. I'd be worried, uh, possibly being in the defender because uh, you know Toyota's got a pretty bulletproof reputation. Um, although the defender looks looks like it's uh, got the goods. Um, yeah. Ooh, I'd, I'd be. I, I'm not sure. I'd be putting my money on the defender just yet. No, I'm I just looking forward to seeing it. The defender's yes. going to provide a great. Uh, FJ Cruiser option that we're yes. missing these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, yes. It's still a very style-driven thing while yeah, hanging yeah, on to yeah. the capability of a Wrangler. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, it's obviously moved on from the utilitarianism of the, the previous one. You'd have, have to you say, though, it, it, it would, you'd have your money on it being very, very capable um, off-road. Absolutely. I mean, it, would, it just has to be. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. Uh, no, no, I was going to say, I was going to be a bit cheeky and I was going to say, you dropped in the middle of Australia, you can choose between a Defender and a Prado, which would you take? Great call. Um, Great you don't call. Have to answer that question. Maybe the, maybe the commenters can answer that question. Well, maybe and that's then, the structure of our compara. And as always, there's a big difference between capability and ruggedness. Uh-huh. All right. That's all right. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you could apply that to your good self there, Mel. There's a, there's a great difference between <laughs> capability and ruggedness. Do tell, James. You're fairly astute. <laughs> You're matching Richard almost um, at the moment. Now, you know what? I, I like that Mal warned us in the test that we did yesterday for this podcast that he may shave, like just so he didn't throw us if he did. He's gone. No, he's looked at himself in the mirror this morning. He's gone, nah, I can't nah. do it. I can't do it. They've got to see it. It's, I do so, believe... it's, the same, it's the same length the whole way around now. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe you guys voted to keep the beard on the island, though. 
<laughs> we love the beard. We love the beard. All it's right, your fault. Good. Now, um, Bartonez123, he agreed or he, it was further to John Ballard's point from last week. If you guys are handing out Matt Campbell merch, I'm in. I'll take a signed photo and a hoodie, please. <laughs> Lucky so Matt's headshots done, mate. Matt's he's got ten by eight glossies. Yeah, I think he's got a sharpie ready to go. So um, yes, he'll be signing those as we speak. Um, so that's great. Samuel Baker. Now this was further to TGV's point from last week about going bush to buy a car rather than sticking in a metro area. He said, "I used a regional dealer to buy a Toyota Prado. They were much easier to deal with. They were so good that I take a day trip to them each time I need a service." Hashtag Hillsville Toyota. So there's a shout out to um, Hillsville Toyota, which is absolutely great to hear. And, and not um, that thank far you. out of Melbourne? No, exactly. And a nice drive, actually. Yeah. To, to the thing is, he's from Sydney. He's from <laughs> Sydney. <though. I'm laughs> no, he's actually from well Cairns. Said, well said. <laughs> that's a that's, that's a, a long that's a day, trip. day trip. <laughs> that's that's a round the clock job. Anyway, Good. to finish <laughs> off, Terry Toucan in chimed in again, and we were talking about the Genesis G80 last week. And he simply said, the G80 is sexy as you, big boy, with a few different emojis. Now, last <laughs> week, there was myself, there was Justin, and there was Tom. I'm guessing the sexy big boy is Tom. You know, he's got the – he's no yeah. disrespect to Justin. So Terry can maybe clarify who he was directing that towards, but there you go. Maybe he left the S off boys. Oh, good point. Maybe That's a very three. charitable way of thinking about it. Yeah. Thank you. No worries, James. But, <laughs> now, that's, that's all the feedback. Thank you very much for all of that. We will move on to the main subject. Now, it is, in fact, the Toyota Land Cruiser 300 Series 2021. And the latest word that we've had about that vehicle is that in other markets, it's seemingly set for a four-cylinder, a 2.8-litre uh, diesel power plant. But Australia is looking like it's lining up for a V6 uh, diesel engine, which will be pretty exciting news for Land Cruiser 200 series and 300 series fans, of which there are many. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because they're still bringing out a hybrid as well, aren't they? Oh, that's on the cards also, yes. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. official, but, yeah. yeah, the information's leaked that, you know, it'll have a petrol hybrid. Then it leaks yeah. that they're going to put a 2.8-litre uh, turbo diesel out of the Hilux in it. Um, yeah. But I've always said they are not going to leave us without... A, a worthy replacement for the 4.5 litre twin turbo diesel yep. V8 that is really what that car is all about. And it's uh, one word, of, really, isn't it? It's towing. You know, you, towing, you, need, yep. you need the torque of a bigger engine in such a large vehicle that is so often used for towing. Yep. yep. But also mm. just, just general long distance comfort and cruisability, overtaking ability on the, on the open road. Um, yeah. Plus also the you know, you, with towing and with carrying loads, you always want to overreach with your equipment uh, so that you don't blow it up. It's, it's so one, it's under stress. Once again, yep. big difference between capable and uh, really suited to the to the job. Absolutely. Um, so this seems like an answer to that, I think. But big question mark over the capacity of it uh, so far. Yep. Some people are saying three litre. Uh, I'm thinking it'll be at least three, three point five. Three and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised and, and, you if it's four point five. We're, we're theorising, you know, twin turbo, twin turbo charged, um, three and a half litre V6. And I think we're also putting some numbers out there, 200 kilowatts, 650 odd newton metres, as you say, Mal, yet to be confirmed. But that 650 yeah. number, it'd, it'd be, you'd think that would get it over the line in terms of yeah. what it might need to do. 
Yeah. I'd be very surprised if it went backwards in terms of outputs. Um, yeah. You know, look at the, you know, the, the Ranger's two-litre twin-turbo diesel that we all go, oh, it's only a two-litre. It actually yeah. produces bigger numbers than the 3.2, uh, yes. yet ticks the boxes of uh, emissions and fuel consumption, uh, official fuel consumption figures for uh, Ford. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we see the same sort of thing with Toyota. Exactly. It, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we know how much the Land Cruiser or how important the Land Cruiser is to, to Toyota, especially in Australia. Um, yeah. We know how uh, you know, nervous Toyota was in terms of gauging opinion about how hybrid would go down in Australia too. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, we know that the hybrid's on the cards, but at the same time, we, we also knew that they wouldn't go hybrid only. Uh, there would yep. be no way they'd do this. So yep. they are still keeping their loyal fans happy with the, you know, yep. with the turbo diesel V6. Um, at the same time, they're doing what they need to be doing, and that is, as yes. Sean Hanley, the, the, the head of, of the, you know, the marketing boss at Toyota Australia, has said they're still doing the right thing uh, by moving forwards in terms of adopting a hybrid technology. And it's all in line with Toyota's rollout of, you know, a hybrid of the, you know, the, the Rav4, the hybrid of the Corolla. Now you've got a hybrid Emery. of that. So they've made they made a commitment that they will have a hybrid variant of, you know, most of their their models, you know, moving forward. So and the, the interesting, the, I was going to say, the interesting thing mm -hmm. is that the Land Cruiser would be a diesel electric um, hybrid. Um, yes. That's that's potentially what's on the cards, which is a bit different and and kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, what this is it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're going to see over the next you know 10 20 30 years we're going we're going to see uh, uh you know petrol and diesel engines being you know slowly removed from lineups um you know if not for you know ethical reasons but for you know uh, restrictions that are being put in by you know, legislation legislation yep. um so you can see here that um this is the beginning of the new age for toyota but at the same time they do not want to take one foot out of that towing capacity that you get with diesels um so I'm actually quite relieved that they're still um, you know, potentially going to be doing this. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, there was – and Toyota is as well. I think that they were terrified about what would what a hybrid would do to their audience in terms of Land Cruiser. Sure. Mm. Mel, Mel, over to you, Mel. <laughs> James, uh, for the hybrid, my money's on petrol. Uh, is I it? Just, yep. Yeah. I, okay. think, I think a petrol will be that much cheaper to put together and also better suited to the Toyota hybrid system, how it cuts right. in and out all the time. Um, yeah. Diesels are more complicated, um, right. and I also think generally globally the hybrid will appeal to some petrol-loving markets, whereas the diesel will appear, appeal to us basically. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a great point you raise, isn't it? Because you know when you think about Land Cruisers' passionate following in the Middle East, in in other markets around the world, um, yes, Australia is pretty significant for that model actually. But um, it's just part of that puzzle. How do, how do you make it work? Such a complex task. Mm, mm. All right. Now, that, that mm. engine too, we're theorising, could find its way. So say it's a three and a half litre uh, V6 turbo diesel. Um, we've talked previously about the GR Hilux, so the Gazoo Racing performance version of the Hilux. We've also put the case that that engine will find its way into that car. Um, and we're saying that by uh, July uh, of this year, the new Hilux will have shown its face. We'll, we'll know what it's like. It'll be out there. And we also know that Toyota Australia has registered Hilux GR um, as a name. So or that's GR pretty... Or GR Hilux. Uh, yeah, that one. 
whichever one. GR highlights a big part. Yeah. Yes, it's it's critical. You are right. It doesn't sound so, right, but that's the way they tend to do it. That's the way they do it. So that engine in that Ute would be pretty special, I would have thought. Yeah. And yeah, look out, you know, if they off. can make it, if they can make it look the part, uh, I reckon they'd be onto a very good thing. Absolutely, it's going to have so that 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 uh, that engine's got at least two hundred kilowatts, six hundred and fifty newton meters. Ranger Ranger Raptor at the moment's got one hundred and fifty-seven and five hundred newton meters. Exactly. So it's going to it will stomp all over Ranger Raptor. And what I like about this is that it will start an arms race yes. with you know well, not that there isn't one already, but it'll, you'll, you'll yes. start Amarok started the arms race. Response. That's right, Amarok did, but it's but it's a V six core, yeah. Um, and look, it's just gonna it's gonna go up and up and up and up. So yeah, yeah that that GR Hilux I think will be a beast. A three and, and a half liter V six diesel. Yes. I think further to Hammer Rock's enthusiasm for our Bathurst idea, where we take the Utes and they replace supercars, and we have that off road section halfway yeah. down. Uh, stand by that straight. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think I think it's got legs for sure. What, what, were you turning Conrod straight into like a dirt track with jumps? I think or? we'd have a Raptor GTHO and then yes. probably phases one, two, and three. And then, yeah. you know, Toyota will up the ante and we'll have a super ute and it'll end up on the front pages of websites and it'll end up being killed because they're too powerful. <laughs> yes. I would love Green to see that, that story, sadly. No, he I... won't, sadly. <laughs> I would love to see that happen. Yeah, look, this this Hilux has been sort of calling out for something with, you know, more grunt than the current 130 kilowatts and 450 newton meters. Really, that is a work kit. And Toyota have have squeezed every little bit out of that as possible in terms of even the cosmetic updates, you know, with your Rogue and, and, and everything other, you know, yes. other limited editions. Um, but you can only do so much with stickers and, you know, you know black plastic bits. Um, so what I we, can't, I can't wait to see it. Current Hilux was introduced in, I want to say, 2015? 2015, yeah. 2015. So, yeah, so by the time this new one arrives, it's, um, yeah, six, five, six-odd years. So yep. the, timing's, the timing's right. They definitely need a, a big kick along to keep Hilux up at the front of that pretty ferocious pack, yeah? And as we said before, Toyota historically has been really reluctant to, you know, sandwich things in engine bays, you know, well within model lives. But, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Yaris with that 1.5 litre, is it 1.5 litre 3? You know, yeah. like that just says anything's possible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and what? what we expect from the Corolla, GR, GR, GR Corolla, sorry. Yeah. Uh, who knows? What I want to know is, is that in the next couple of years, so in the next two years or so, we've heard, um, we've heard through the grapevine that Ford is going to be bringing out F-Trucks into Australia. Yeah, um, which is very, very exciting. Right hand made in the factory F truck sure. from the US. How will this affect what, what our little dinky ute market um, when these monsters appear on our roads? Well, will people Richie, still want to highlight? You, you're the one that referred to an arms race, and I, I think you're yeah. right. Maybe, maybe part of the arms race is just going up a size. So, yeah, maybe the, the, the Raptor struggles in that segment, but, hey, we're going to trump that with an F-150. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Toyota comes in with a Tundra yes. or, a, you know, Tacoma or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, would Aussies adopt those cars? I would, you know, but I'm a bogan. Uh, so, hello. Yeah. Look at how successful the Rams have been. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. So we've already got Ram Silverado. Ford, <laughs> yep. yes. Ford is clearly yep. keen. And yep. can I say, uh, when I drove past Broadmeadows three weeks ago, 
Uh, over the weekend, yep. there was a current, oh, yeah. current model F F one fifty top of the range. Uh, I'll, we'll put a photo in uh, sitting in the car park, left hand drive, but clearly here for evaluation. Ah, really, um, okay. that's not the one we're going to get. But they're yeah. clearly keen to to that's fantastic you know, to make it happen for Australia. Yeah, I'm with you, Richard. That's exciting. I reckon it'd be huge fun. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly think that Hilux's ranges will be trumped completely by the monster pickups that are coming. Um, yeah. we are in the, I think we could be in the final days of the glory days of Hilux and, and Ranger um, and yeah. bring on our new overlords. I'm looking forward to it. Malcolm. <laughs> James. <laughs> I don't think it's going to trump uh, Hilux for outright sales, but I think it's going to fill a big hole of yeah. hungry people. Yeah, that are, you know, yeah. currently spending tens of thousands of dollars lifting their Hilux's ranges, etc. Yes. You know, yes, yeah. something that's right. Out of the box. It's big. Because, because let's face it, we're in the final days of combustion engines. Let's we go out with go, a bang. Go yeah. out with a bang, baby. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, totally. final years, final decades. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I reckon it might be closer than we think. All right. Than yeah. We think. All right. Well, now, look. Speaking of closer than we think. In our garage, which is not close at the moment, although, Mal, you're in yours, I, I'm getting the feeling. Yes, um, this is not my bedroom. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> today. Uh, that's it. That's Mal, it. Yeah, exactly. 40-year-old man's garage, 14-year-old's bedroom. It's the same thing, really. <laughs> Richard, I'm not 40. Um, you've, you've, been, um, you've been slumming it. Uh, the everyman's car, you've been in a Porsche Cayenne coupe and the s yeah, James. Sorry, yeah, you drove the the KN Coupe S. Uh, how many months ago? Oh, I don't know. I can't. I don't, the launch. Anyway, I found it very hard to relate to that car. Obviously, not like you. I think it just slips into your lifestyle like a hand in glove. Well, my point is, I'm merely playing catch up to James. Anyway, <laughs> okay. so this yeah. week, uh, yes, I had the the KN Coupe S, which I think is the correct sequencing of the model name, yeah. uh, which I brought home and uh, drove as. Uh, as permitted under the current uh, restrictions. Uh, so the KN Coupe S is the second model uh, from the base of the Coupe range. So, I mean, for those that don't know, uh, we've had the KN in all its variants, and now they've brought in the KN Coupe to sit alongside it in the equivalent variants. So the KN range has exploded. Um, so the KN S is second from the bottom. It has the 2.9-litre twin-turbo uh, V6 that is also seen in the... Panamera 4S, and a whole bunch of Audis. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. Yep. RS4, RS5 uh, variants. But it actually makes less power and torque in the Porsches for some reason. Um, but, yeah, sitting beneath the twin-turbo V8, the 4-litre uh, KN Coupe Turbo, ironically, and then below the uh, Turbo SE Hybrid, which sits at the top of the range. Anyway, so the Coupe... On the surface, I thought, why have they done a coupe version of what was already a pretty coupe-ish SUV in the, the KN? Um, but after looking at it on my driveway for a week, it kind of make I think it makes more sense than the regular KN. Yeah. Uh, in that it's more Porsche-like. You know, the regular well, KN is a little bit less SUV-ish than the norm. Um, but yeah, I think this I, is I more remember saying it in the in the video uh, after launch that it, look, it's all about the optics. You know, it, that that car is very much about making an, a visual kind of aesthetic statement as much as it is about how practical the car might be. And I think it looks pretty cool. Mm. Can I just say, can I just say, when Mal was looking at it in his driveway for a week, did you just have the deck chair 
Yeah, album, exactly. Which, I'm picturing yeah. like a, no, he had a night, day, night, day, so, night, yeah, day. We'll, we'll put just... up a time-lapse video later. <laughs> yes. It's is, probably uh... the most boring time-lapse video known to mankind. <laughs> well, that's a matter of opinion, James. Yeah. <laughs> well, just you in a banana yeah. lounge looking yeah. at the KN Coupe. Oh, For a week. Desk chair. This is serious work. For a week. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, if you think about it, it's kind of the same as what the Lamborghini Urus is, uh, yeah. given they share their underpinnings, but it, its overall profile is quite close to the Urus, yeah. um, but with Porsche detailing, and it's, I think it's more closely aligned with other Porsches, more traditional Porsches, uh, to look yes. at uh, yes. with that roofline. And you lose a bit Definitely. of boot capacity yeah. above the belt line. Um, also, uh, it's worth noting that you, you lose a bit of uh, rear door access uh, as the roof line slopes down, um, which is fine for people of my height, but Richard, you might have a problem. Um, mm. Mm. But that's, that's the trade-off for the looks you get. And I put my uh, three-year-old son on the back seat, and yeah. you know, no worries for me loading him. But, but also yeah. impressively, and this probably goes back to the Volkswagen uh, in the KN, the belt line is dead flat. So he yeah. had, still had no worries at all seeing out from the back seat, which yeah, you know, is pretty handy as a family car. I, I reckon yeah. it's brilliant actually in VW Group now when you look across Volkswagen, Touareg, you know the Audi, um, you know Q7, a Porsche Cayenne, and the and the Lambo uh, Q8 and the Lambo Urus. Then how offering people in that kind of powerful large SUV segment some pretty distinct um, options. And Port, oh, good point. And and Porsche, I think, is maturing in its approach to these cars. That they were so far out in front with KN, and now they've brought the Machan, Machan as well. That mm. they are making them look more like Porsches. I think you're right. They they're kind of getting their head around what they need to do to make it distinctively mm. a Porsche. Mm. And it, I think it just fits the evolution of the concept of an SUV as well. You know, the yeah. SUV really just as you know, there's a spectrum of we accept to be an SUV these days. Yeah. And it's a very yeah. broad spectrum. Cool. Uh, All right. Now, look, we will move on. And Richard, sure. you've not been in a Porsche. You've been no. in uh, another kind of car altogether. That's right. In, but actually, I would say that my car is closer to what a proper Porsche should be because okay. it actually has a boxer engine, unlike uh -huh. the KM. Um, yes. I've been in Good a, segue. Subaru, a Subaru Impreza. It's the top of the range Impreza. It's a 2.0 IS. Um, really good price, $31,000, that's the list price. That is good price, um, yep. Really, that's an, an, an exceptional Subaru quality for the interior and the cabin. Um, the only thing is it looks a lot like a Rex, but with it's, the life sucked out of it. Um, it's, it <laughs> that's being a bit over the top, really. It's sort of being... Yeah, Richard, that's being a bit over the so, top, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's just been defanged. It looks great. It handles really well. You can definitely feel um, how well <laughs> the suspension has been tuned for this or upgraded for this update. Um, but it feels planted. Uh, it's great to drive. Uh, the steering feels a little bit artificial, but that's, you know, that's, that's the fly-by-wire system. Um, uh -huh. Updates for 2020 like include the new grille. Um, okay. It's got new alloy wheel design. Uh, as I said, the suspension has been retuned as well. Uh, new front fog light design. Um, big boot. We managed to get all the Cars Guide luggage in there. You'll see that in the okay, review. That's good. Taking photos of that. Um, yeah. But apart from that, look, it's been you know it's it's been the, it's it's been pretty 
invisible on the road. And that's mainly because it's the sedan. And like we were talking about earlier, um, I think the, the hatchback version of the Impreza just works a lot better from a design perspective. Nothing wrong with it at all. You get, you know, you still get a great boot in the, in the sedan. It's very large. Um, but I would personally, uh, we swapped it for a uh, hatchback yesterday and Matt Campbell drove that away. He's going to be reviewing that one. And I was a bit jealous because um, I prefer oh, okay. the, the, the look of that. Um, but yeah, no, guys, it's, um, it's, been, it's been a good car. But yeah, for the, for the, for the value for money, it's absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I think, I think a general, I was going to say a general point, not necessarily around the Subaru Impreza, but mm. just sedan to hatch. Mm. Um, the, the, the boot might be large, but it's always the height of that aperture, isn't it? With a hatch, when you open the, the door right up, you can so easily load things in. That's right. So it, you, you're more limited in that letterbox shape in terms of what you can shove through rather than a big hatch. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be able to move any coffee tables in it. Um, but, um, let me, but let me just tell you what I did manage to move in it. Um, because I drove it up to Newcastle, even though we're all supposed to be staying at home at the moment. This room that I'm in now was just packed to the roof with boxes and we needed to all get right. rid of them. So we had to take them to my wife's parents' place. In the Super Impreza, I managed to put a Malibu board, surfboard, right? A pedestal, pedestal fan, two other fans, um, a large box of CDs from 1995, um, a fencing kit with two foils and two masks. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yep, and this is all in this, you know, in a, in a sedan. So we managed to make it all okay. fit in there. I was actually quite impressed. So have you kept, if you, have you kept the 1996 CDs at home? Still, no, well, well, thank you, Mel. No, I would say 1992 through to 2000. So oh, okay. a lot of... Did you, have of to, did you have to yeah. cut the surfboard in thirds? No, no. Actually, how I did it was I opened the boot, folded the seats down, lied the front passenger seat four backwards, yeah. and then and put got it, it that straight way. across the, the side. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. And drove all the way to Newcastle by myself, only car on the road. Mm. All right. Anyway, last weekend, well Richard? Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. All right, now, I will just um, come in at the end here with the car that I've been driving during the week, which is a Hyundai Sonata, uh, sorry, Santa Fe V6 Active. And so that means it's a three and a half litre V6, mm. eight speed auto, and it's two wheel drive. So it's uh, not the all wheel drive version. And 206 kilowatts, pretty high, like 6,300 RPM before you're getting towards peak power. Yeah. And... 336 newton meters again 5000 rpm so all of the kind of go uh, zone is quite high in the rev range but it's $43,550 but mm. i've got to say carplay super easy to use really nice cloth trim it rides very nicely good steering and seating position um, it picks up nicely in the sport mode particularly i found it pretty easy to drive one thing, it is very tight in that third row. It's really, it's the one that's for the kids only. And it's a bit of a scrabble to get in there, but you do have a sliding second row. So you can have a negotiation as to how much space you're going to have in the second and third rows. Malcolm, you have I'm a question. hand up. Have you crunched the fuel numbers yet? Uh, not that I've got with me. I have, but not okay. that I've got with me right now. So, you know, mm. keep your eyes peeled for the review is all I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just I very keen because it's a it's a V six and you're driven around town. I, uh, I found it very pleasant. Speaking of around town, just a very pleasant car to drive. Easy, nicely put together, and I think at that 
you know, low to mid $40,000 bracket, it has a lot to offer. How beautiful is the interior in that car too, JC? I think it's, it's pretty good. Even, even, active, even I was yeah. going to say it's cloth trim, but the cloth mm. is really nice. It's got a yeah. kind of almost plaited, it's got a profile to it. Um, it feels nice and it looks good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this. I, I think Santa Fe was that new generation Santa Fe was the you know the turning point for Hyundai, where it suddenly it went from being you know kind of a cheap and cheerful brand to luxury oh. Korean. It's very yeah, yeah and it looks pretty funny, sleek, isn't it? You know, you look mm. at it, it looks good. Mm. I think we keep sort of redefining that turning point too, because yes. they're just yeah. getting better and better and better. <laughs> what well, we just we've got, you know, that's the whole circle, really. It's going around it? circles. <laughs> it's basically treading water. I think Bring one back of the, the first is when they, when they yeah. brought in the Gets, and we all went, oh, this is a pretty oh. decent car now. But then, you know, I-45, well, this is a pretty decent car. And good then, point. You know, Very good point. UI-30 was another turning point. They just keep getting better and better with each new model. I love the Gets so much. I, I wrote and recorded a song about it. You, you guys probably don't know about that. I can play it for you down the line at some point. Did you cut an LP? No, no, but basically it was called Gets You Where You're Going. Right. Um, and it was, it was written <laughs> was, while on holiday driving a rental gets. Love that. Was right. this in response to a specific commission, Richard, or you just did this on spec? <laughs> this was just myself, yeah. Myself I, have, and, I have one more yeah. question. Did yeah. you record a film clip a la Joe Exotic? We might have. We might have. It was in Tasmania. Shot, shot in location okay. in Tasmania. Yeah. Well, great. We've yeah. got to bring it to life. We need I'll see that if I can bring it, find it. It's on an old phone, probably a Nokia somewhere. Excellent. All right. Well, now we are going to move on to one of our favourite segments, if not the favourite segment, Musk Watch. Okay. So first of all, we're going to kick it off with it's been a little bit of a running story. And uh, Elon's been talking about ventilators because, of course, we're caught in the middle of this, you know, blessed uh, virus episode, but Teslarati has reported that Tesla's donated 1,200 ventilators to the city of Los Angeles and 40 units to the Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, New York, which, of course, is brilliant. You know, doing that is just great. And there are pictures on Twitter, A4 Tesla logos stuck to the boxes, but actually they're made by ResMed, which is a a company that specialises in these things. And there's been a little bit of fuss over the type of ventilator that we're talking about. They're actually what's called a BPAP or a BiPAP, bi-level positive airway pressure machine. Now, a BPAP machine, it'll set you back around $800. But according to Forbes, there are more than 8 million users of this type of unit in the USA alone already. Um, An ICU-grade ventilator can cost as much as 50 grand, so $60,000 more, uh, 60,000, 60 times more. The US FDA has clarified that CPAP machines, which are usually used to treat sleep apnea, um, could be used to treat patients with non-severe symptoms. So um, Musk clarified that it was very important to provide these devices to prevent cases from becoming severe. So Mm. just to be clear about the kind of ventilator, and I think Elon still very much intends to devote factory space to producing ventilators. So this is just an initial move on his part. It's actually really, it's good to see because Elon was one of the first people to come straight off the bat and say, what do you need? We'll turn yep. our gigafactory in New York, in Buffalo, uh, into, you know, absolutely making a factory. And we've yeah, seen, hats, we've seen hats the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen the same thing all around the world. We've got 
uh, GM in the United States is is partnering up with a company called Ventec Solutions, and they're going to produce ventilators on on you know with them with their designers and engineers. Fiat Chrysler are making face masks um, in Italy, and even in Australia, K Hart, who's the big boss of Ford in Australia, has come out and said we've got two thousand designers and engineers in Australia. You know, to the Morrison government, what can we do? We're here at your disposal. And it's good to see um, people like Ryan Walkinshaw from from Walkinshaw Automotive have also come out and said. We've got 3D printers. What do you need? We've got guys here who are very capable, very skilled. We can we can help out as well. So not Australia mention, is coming to the not rescue to mention too. Erebus and Triple Eight. Uh, oh, absolutely, and even yes. BJR's yes. in on it too. So they're all yeah. rediverting their resources. And, it's wonderful, know, isn't it? They're yeah. experts at sort of coming up with something and turning it around really quickly. Uh, they're kind of perfect for it, and they've got nothing well, else to do at the moment. Well, I think the operative the operative point there is that Triple Eight has always been called Triple Eight Race Engineering. Right. Mm. So it's it's not just a race team relying on others. They engineer stuff and they know how to do it. So it's really telling. Exactly. When when a you know when an engineering team has you know less than half an hour to come up with a solution to fix a brake system in a car, um, <laughs> and they well, come to make up, it you know, better than the other car. Yeah. Better than the other car, they can they can apply that you know ingenuity yep. to anything. It's not just yep. cars. It's engineering. So yep. it's I like to think this is a, a, a you know a a silver lining to what is a pretty dark cloud around us at the moment. Sure, it's great sure. to see car makers now, doing this. And speaking of a bit of humour, um, Elon also posted on Twitter uh, a chart that says time spent looking at exponential graphs and the chart is rising exponentially, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And some people res- yeah. responded back to that with a picture of world's most accurate pie chart and people on <laughs> YouTube will see it and it's actually a pie. And one section is pie I have eaten and pie I have not eaten. <laughs> so that's pretty oh, cool. And another, that's... another one followed through with yeah. percentage of chart which looks like Pac-Man. Okay? <laughs> looks like Pac-Man, does not look like Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, so it have to be pretty... sort of like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were pretty good and people on YouTube would be able to see those. Now, also, Reuters has reported that Elon Musk's rocket company, SpaceX, has banned its employees from using video conferencing app Zoom. Uh, Now, a lot of our viewers and listeners are probably using Zoom to work from home or connect with others or whatever. Anyway, the call is that there are significant privacy and security concerns, according to a memo seen by Reuters days after US law enforcement warned users about the security of the popular app. The FBI has issued a warning saying that it's, it's, look, it's not end-to-end encrypted, and they discovered a, th- a phenomenon known as Zoom bombing, where people have just Zoomed into school groups meeting via Zoom and joined the meeting. Um, wow. So it's certainly not secure. And as a defence contractor, um, SpaceX has been classified as an essential business so they can no longer use Zoom. So just watch out for Zoom bombing um, if you're out there on that app. I mean, the only thing, I mean, this is, that's a very, very serious situation because um, the whole world has changed really, really rapidly, and we've adopted this technology, which we only used occasionally in the past. Um, but it's never really been vetted, you know, seriously. And great have, point. You know, companies which hold United States defense contracts, like SpaceX, using yeah. Zoom, which can be broken into by school children who are doing it yes. in their own classmates. Um, yeah, definitely, that's a good idea not to use it. But I'm enjoying at the moment the the fails that are appearing on Zoom and Skype and, and Google Hangouts 
where people are holding company-wide meetings and someone goes off to the loo and puts the you know the yes. laptop down and then thinking thinking realizes, their camera's off. Think I've got the camera off. I've got the microphone <laughs> off. I've seen that one. That's pretty horrendous. Just imagine how much is happening if people don't manage to record. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's now we'll, recording every meeting just in case. Yeah. <laughs> we'll close. Um, we'll close Muskwatch with a, a share price update. So Tesla share, each one four hundred and fifty four dollars forty seven. That is um, down. It, it was five hundred and twenty eight dollars sixteen last week. So it's down seventy four bucks. And, and JC, it was when we were doing the podcast oh, back when back back you know before. For, Coronavirus. For what BCB. feels like forever ago, like the end of February. It was seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. <laughs> it was getting towards a thousand dollars. It was. It was in the nine hundred dollars brackets. Mm. Um, but Forbes says quite rightly that possible poor one, uh, poor Q one deliveries uh, for Tesla uh, will be reported later this month. You'd have to imagine that's the case because factories have been closed and and production mm. capability has been reduced. Mm. So it's likely to lower its guidance for deliveries in 2020 to around 200,000 rather than 400,000 in 2019. Absolutely. Um, so given little reason for people to buy cars right now, that could be as low as 100,000 uh, for the year of 2020. So the Forbes is saying the market will not take this well, uh, resulting mm. in Tesla's what's called PS multiple falling short. Now that the PS is price to sales, so it's a valuation of a company's share price to its revenue. So that's yeah. a, a, a metric that a lot of um, share advisors use. It's going to um, drop 3.6 down to about 1.5. So it, it will not be as easily recommendable um, as a buy option. So it's tough times ahead, I think, potentially, for the Tesla share price. Absolutely, and especially in China as well. Um, I mean, we we know that the Chinese market has really, really suffered because of COVID-19. We saw the Chinese market drop by like 80%. Um, yeah. So, and we, we, I'm, I'm reading stories that the Chinese market is, auto market is having incredible difficulty starting up again. I mean, oh, okay. quite rightly, quite rightly, people yeah. are coming out of, you know, a hibernation and nobody wants to spend any money. Nobody's got a lot of money. Um, and no one and, knows you know, where the button on the machine is. Where's, where's the button? That starts the press. It starts the big, it. Big red it's one for off. The where's big the red one yes. for on. Where's the, green, yeah. where's the green one? We've never used it before. But That's also right. think about it. That's right. We all know that car manufacturing set up, you know, with just-in-time production. And, That's it. Uh, and so each little element along that line before you yes. get to the factory, so yes. intricately sort of timed and placed. So to start a factory at this end, you're relying on all the other little bits before it. Uh, totally. Totally. That's a great so that, point. That's it. You can't have them popping out the other side of the factory if nobody's taking them to dealerships and selling them. So, Oh, well, that as well. Yeah. Every mm -hmm. every yeah. link of the chain has to mm -hmm. be reconnected. You're so right. But, uh, but oh, oh, Mal's Mal got his hand up. I was Mal's just going to say, in, in, we're talking about uh, Tesla's share price here. Is anyone aware of any yeah. organisation that hasn't taken a hit to their share price? That's, that's totally fair. But mm. I, I think there are some categories, you would have to say, that are probably more exposed yeah. Um, than others. There are the obvious candidates and then there are some that are in the mid-ground and some that may even be thriving because of um, the way things have changed. Pharmaceutical companies, maybe. <laughs> I would have thought so, yes. Yeah, they're the later. Yeah. That's what I mean. Manufacturers yeah. <laughs> of particular paper, paper products, um, that yes. kind of thing. There yes. you go, yeah. Uh, but um, look, on that note, I think we have reached the finish line. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, James. And thank and Richard. you, Richard. Thank you, guys.
And thanks to our audio-visual wrangler in residence, Mr Pritchard, for his work in the Cars Guide outside broadcast van. Um, today, he's in the transparent waterproof pants, the if you're offended, I'll help you pack Trump t-shirt, <laughs> and a man bun visor. He, look, he doesn't wear clothes. He wears dreams. And please pass on the word about the podcast and let us know your thoughts by searching for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram using the hashtag CG podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Please do that. If you're an iTunes listener, please rate and review us. And remember, you can watch us on YouTube. But before we go, mate of mine says he's totally fed up with people whinging about the price of things. $4 for a coffee, $3.50 for a cup of tea, $5 for a slice of cake, and $15 for car parking, says any more complaints and he will honestly stop inviting friends round to his house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James. I love it. High five. Cheers, Did you gosh. make that up? Did you make High that five. up? High five. No. <laughs> High five that way. High five to everyone at home. Yeah, there we go. All right. Virtual high five. <laughs> cool. Thanks, everybody.